Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me pray for us before we begin now. Father, we thank you for our time together, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to open the text of Scripture. May it speak truth into our lives. May we be transformed through the power of your word more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, congratulations. You guys may not know this, but for your parents, high school was the best seven years of their life. So be proud that you did it in four. Just kidding. We're proud of you guys. We're excited. In case you didn't know, this is graduation Sunday. And so I decided this Sunday to do something a little bit different. For those of you that are visiting with us, we've been working through the book of 1 John. We'll continue with that next Sunday. But I wanted to deviate this morning. And I wanted to focus on these graduates and and preach a message just to you guys for a couple of reasons. Reason number one is I want our congregation to understand the importance of our prayers for you guys. And I want to challenge you guys to pray for these graduates. I want to challenge you to remember them and all that they do. You, you probably are already aware of this, but the world they're graduating into is vastly different than the world you graduated into. It's vastly different than the world I graduated into. All the things they've got to deal with and, and literally the landmines of life that they've got to navigate through make it very difficult for them. I think sometimes the danger for us is to see graduates and recognize and realize the world they're walking into and almost lose hope. Almost lose hope that there's no possible way that they're going to be able to make it through the world. There's no possible way they're going to be able to accomplish all these things. There's just, there's just too much bad stuff in the world. It's very difficult for them to do. And I think our, sometimes the dangers we think through this is to think maybe they're not going to be able to accomplish all these things. But here's the second reason I wanted to preach this sermon this morning. I wanted our students to understand very clearly that God has a plan for your life. He's got a very clear plan for your life. And he does want to prosper you. And he does want to lead you. And he does want to guide you. And so I want to challenge you this morning with the truth of the Word of God. You know, graduation is a big time of transition. It's a time when things begin to change in our lives. It's a time when we kind of step out of the teenage world and into the adult world. Relationships change. Where you're going to be living will change. The way in which you view the world, all those things are going to change over the next several years, and you're going to have a lot of choices to make. Some of you have already chosen college or not college. You're going to have to choose a career path. You're going to have to choose who you're going to marry, you're going to have to choose what you're going to major in, you're going to have to choose how you're going to conduct yourselves while in college, you're going to have to choose whether or not you will follow Christ or follow the world. And choice can be a very difficult thing to make. Choice in the midst of a difficult transition can even be more difficult. And so we go to a lot of different places to figure out how to make choices. We get advice from other people. We certainly get advice from our parents. We, we have emotions. We weigh the pros and the cons and all the things that go into decision-making. But the choice to find strength in Christ and to follow him no matter the cost is the most important choice that you're ever going to make. So I want to challenge you this morning with the truth of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. We'll be focusing this morning on verses 7, 8, and 9. And I want to give you a little secret. All those of you who aren't high school graduates, this sermon is designed for these students because I wanted to speak directly to them. But the truth of the Word of God applies to your life as well. And making a choice to follow him is something that you do every single day of your life. Let me give you a little bit of background of Joshua as we turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua had been with the children of Israel who had come out of the wilderness of Egypt and had been wandering in the desert for 40 years. You remember the story. They had been rebellious and disobedient to the Lord. 
At times he had blessed them, at other times he had cursed them. But because of their disobedience, he had forced them to wander into the wilderness for 40 years. And just like our students right now, Joshua was going through a very interesting phase in his life. Joshua was in an incredible time of transition. Joshua had been been called as Moses had passed away to lead the children of Israel and to take the children of Israel across the Jordan River and into the Promised Land to fulfill the promise of Abraham and Isaac that the Lord had given them centuries before. And as the Lord begins Joshua's time of transition, he gives us a very clear reminder in Joshua chapter 1, verses 7, 8, 9. I want to read those to you. I think we have them on the screen this morning. Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips and meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Here's the first thing you guys need to remember. No matter where you walk in life... No matter what you try to accomplish, the Lord has called you, number one, to be strong and courageous in his power. The Lord desires you to be strong and courageous. Now, this is not the first time that the Israelites had heard this idea of strength. In fact, if you were to go back and study the Israelites and the teachings that the Lord had given them and the commandments that he had given them, you'd find in Deuteronomy chapter 6, you'll be familiar with this passage of Scripture, verses 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. See, we're commanded from an early age, the children of Israel were, to love the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their strength. And for us, in the world that we live in, sometimes it's very easy to find strength and to find courage when things are going well. But it's in the difficult times of life, it's in the struggles of life, that sometimes finding strength and courage are a little more difficult. Now Joshua was in the midst of defeat at this time because the children of Israel had been rebellious. They had not done the things the Lord had called them to do. They had not accomplished all he had asked them to accomplish. It's very interesting to me because as you study this passage of Scripture, we know it from beginning to end, and we know the story, and we know all the people and all the characters and all the parts they played, and we understand exactly who Moses was. And as we examine the life of Joshua, we need to remember that not even Moses... (laughs) now, Now, just think about this for a second. Not even Moses had the ability to lead these people to the promised land. And then the Lord called young Joshua to lead them. And he said, Joshua, you're not going to be able to do it in your own power. You're not going to be able to do it in your own strength. But strength and courage in the Lord will lead you. Now, I looked up the word courage this week. I was interested to see how you would define being courageous. And the word courage means something like this. Strength in the face of difficulty, danger, or pain. Words that mean courageous are words like fearless, brave and valor and one writer kind of summarized it like this i like what he said courage is a quality of mind or spirit that enables us to meet danger opposition or the challenges of life with fearlessness calmness and firmness someone who has courage may still feel afraid but through the power of god can act with confidence now here's the truth about the world the world is full of people who don't want to be courageous and strong The world is full of people who'd rather just go along to get along. The world is full of people who'd like to just fit in and blend in and people that are sometimes willing to accept defeat. But here's what the world really needs. The world needs believers who are courageous. The world needs believers who are strong. The world needs people that are willing to follow the will of God wherever it may take them. 
The world needs people that are willing to do the right thing even when no one else will. I started thinking about history and all the people in history that have followed the teachings of the Lord and all the people that have found courage and all the people that have found strength throughout history. And I started thinking about Richard Wormbrand. He's got an interesting last name, but he's got an incredible story. He was a pastor in Romania when the communists took over in the middle 1900s. And the communists told Pastor Wormbrand to stop teaching the gospel. They said, if you continue to teach the gospel, if you continue to share Christ with people under communist oppression, we're going to throw you in prison. And so Richard Wormbrand, believing the Lord had called him to preach the gospel, found courage and he found strength and he continued to preach. And he continued to teach. And he continued to share the love of Christ at the risk of his own life. He would ultimately spend 14 years in prison. Three of those years were spent in total solitary confinement. Now I want to read a little excerpt about his story, speaking of his solitary confinement. This confinement was in a cell, and listen to this, 12 feet underground with no lights and no windows. There was no sound because even the guards wore felt on the soles of their shoes. Wormbrand later recounted that he maintained his sanity by sleeping during the day, staying awake at night, and exercising his mind and soul by composing and then delivering a sermon each night. Due to his extraordinary memory, he was able to recall more than 350 of those sermons in which he wrote in a book called With God and Solitary Confinement. In his book, Tortured for Christ, the story of the beatings that he endured, he said this. It points to his strength and to his courage. The following scene happened more times than I can remember. A brother was preaching to the other prisoners when the guards suddenly burst in, surprising him halfway through a phrase. They hauled him down the corridor to their beating room. After what seemed an endless beating, they brought him back and threw him, bloody and bruised, on the prison floor. Slowly, he picked up his battered body, painfully straightened his clothes, and said, Now, brethren, where did I leave off when I was interrupted? And he continued his gospel message. I have seen beautiful things. (laughs) See, there's strength and courage to be found in the Lord. And sometimes we, we see the situations of life that we face and we think, Lord, I'm just not sure if I can make it. But we read accounts like the story of Richard Wormbrand and the prisoners that he worked with in Romania all those years ago when we see their faithfulness and we see their strength and we see their courage. And I don't know about you, but it makes me want to be more courageous. It makes me want to be stronger. And we read these accounts and when we begin to ask ourselves the question, how can we be strong and courageous in such a difficult time? How can we endure such incredible circumstances? How can we find strength and peace and joy even in the midst of hardship? Well, we get the question answered in verse 7. Look at the second part of the verse. Joshua says to be strong and very courageous as the Lord is speaking to him. And then he kind of gives him an indication of why. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Here's the second truth. We need to find strength and courage in the Lord. And in order to do that, secondly, we need to obey the Lord. (laughs) It's a pretty simple teaching, and yet it's often forgotten by so many people. Such a simple thing to read, and yet it's so difficult sometimes to follow. Here's what the Lord says. He kind of gives Joshua this conditional statement. He says, if you'll be strong and you'll find courage, if you'll obey me wherever you go, then in the end of verse 8 he says this, then you will be prosperous and successful. It's very interesting because that word success is used only there in that context. 
And the way in which it's used is only used in Joshua chapter 1. Nowhere else in the Bible will you find it used in that context. It's interesting when the Lord begins to talk about success and he talks to us about finding success, he does it in the context of finding strength and courage in him. He does it in the context of obeying his teachings. Now here's the opposite of what Joshua says. If you're not strong and you're not courageous, if you don't obey the teachings of the Lord, if you turn from God, then you will not be successful. Now, if I went around this congregation or to our other services and I asked every person in here, would you like to be successful? I bet every person in here would say what? Yes, right? I don't think anybody would say, you know what? I kind of want to fail. You know, I've got to set myself up for failure. That's what I'm hoping for in life. We would all say, yeah, we want to be successful, but here's the problem. How do we define success? Because I went to every person in this room, every person in our services, every person in this church and said, do you want to be successful? They would all say yes. If I said, how do you define success? We may get a different answer from every person. Because there are marked differences between what the world defines as success and what Scripture defines as success. So for the world, success looks more like money and possessions and great jobs and careers and big houses and great cars and power and influence. And, and there's nothing wrong with those things. The Lord blesses us with those things, but I think sometimes here we miss the truth. Because as we study the Word of God, success isn't found in the things that we own and the possessions that we have. Success is found in finding courage and strength in the Lord. Success is found when we obey Him and obey Him only. It's interesting to me, in the world that we live in, there are so many people we can point to that have kind of had the success of the world, right? We can point to celebrities and actors and musicians and movie stars, and we can even point to people that we know that have looked for that success. In some cases, they found that success. And they found fame and, and riches and glory and money and all the things that they've tried to find in all their lives, they've eventually succeeded. But then here's the interesting thing we find. So many of those people have found ruin at the end of their lives. They found the success and the fame, and yet they could never find joy. And they could never find peace. And they could never find Hope. There, there are lots of examples. I started researching this week and started thinking through the, some examples I was familiar with. I thought about Howard Hughes. Some of you are familiar with Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes built the Spruce Goose, largest plane ever developed. He was a, a, an incredible designer and a, a, an incredibly wealthy man and a man who gave so much back. He was an American icon. And when he died in the 1970s, now watch this, in the 70s he was a billionaire with a B. Not a millionaire in the 1970s. The interesting thing about Howard Hughes is the last several years of his life, he spent alone and depressed. He couldn't find joy. He had literally everything the world said he needed. He had all the power and all the fame and all the glory and all the wealth. And yet he died a miserable man. If we had a poster that said money can't buy happiness, his face would be on it. See, it's very easy for us to look to the things of the world and look to the success of the world and want those things and want to accomplish those things. But the truth of the Word of God is those things don't always bring us joy. Those things don't always bring us success. And so I want to challenge you guys right where you are right now. Don't walk into the world thinking about the success the world says you need. My dad told me when I was a young boy, some of your fathers may have told you, your grandfathers, he said this to me, son, if you can find a job that makes you happy, you'll never work a day in your life. Have you heard that? Now, when I was young, that didn't make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> but some of you understand, as I'm beginning to understand the older I get, that's exactly true. Because it's not so much about the success the world says, it's about the joy and the happiness we can find in fulfilling all that God has called us to do. And so you guys are going to be asking a lot of questions in the years to come. 
And you're going to be asking questions like, what sort of career should I have? And what sort of job should I take? And, and who should I marry? And what are the things I should do in my life? And those are good questions and the questions you need to be asking. But here are more in question, important questions you need to be asking. Instead of thinking about career so much and job paths, maybe you need to ask a question like this. What has the Lord called me to do? I wonder how many of us have ever prayed that prayer in our own life. Lord, what are you calling me to do in my career? What job will bring me the most fulfillment in life? And what areas has God gifted me to succeed? Because our call is never to follow the things of the world. Our call very simply is to follow the things of Christ. And the Lord says when we do those things, excuse me, when we do those things, we will find joy and we will find peace. But it's very easy for us when we sit in the congregation like this to think about following the Lord. I'm sure all of us at this very moment are thinking to ourselves, absolutely. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to follow his teachings. I'm going to do the things that he's called me to do. In fact, some of you at this very moment may be thinking, you know, I need to do a better job of praying about my career. I need to do a better job of thinking about all the Lord has shown me and all the Lord has given me and the direction the Lord's calling me in my life. It's easy for us to do that right now, but here's the problem. When we're encountering times of trial and we're encountering times of being tested, do we think the same thing? Do we ask the Lord when we're tried and when we're tested, Lord, how am I going to follow you? Lord, how can I bring you glory in this very moment? Because here's the truth, and you adults will understand this. Students, you've understood this at some point in your life. You'll understand it more over the years to come. There will come a time when your faith will be tested. You should prepare your hearts for that now. Over the next several years, your faith is going to move from being the faith of your parents. The faith that you grew up on It's going to become more and more your own faith. And I want you to understand there's going to come a time in the very near future for you, and you've already seen this in high school, you're going to see it more in college, where there will be a friend or a professor or someone on campus that you're going to encounter. It's going to take it upon himself or herself to try to convince you that either God doesn't exist or if he does, he's not really who you think he is. That time will come for you. You need to be prepared for it. You need to be prepared in that moment of testing, in that moment of trial, to seek courage and to seek strength. And to obey the Lord in all things. Here's, here's the interesting thing as I think about these sorts of people. And you guys know this. You guys are probably more familiar with this. But there are professors in colleges that their life goal seems to be to convince Christians that Christ isn't real. Right? We've heard the stories. We understand that there are people that do that. And we understand some of you have been challenged and shaken by those kinds of people. But I want you to think through. And when you hear that, remember Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers or people that ridicule will come. Sounds like today, right? Scoffers will come and following their own evil desires, they will say, where is this coming is promised? In other words, where's Jesus, right? Where, where's the coming that Jesus promised? Where is he? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they, here's how we define these people, they have become deliberately or willingly ignorant. I love that phrase. In other words, they, they have intentionally taken the truth and set it aside. They've intentionally been ignorant to the things of Christ. They've intentionally been ignorant to the things of the Lord. And here's what we need to understand about those people. They don't want to believe the truth because if they acknowledge that there is a God, if they acknowledge that truth is real and truth can be defined, then they'll be held accountable to that truth. And they want to be held accountable to the truth. So for them, it's not so much about truth. It's more about accountability. And so you guys need to be on your guard because you're going to encounter those kinds of people. You're going to encounter those people in college. You're going to encounter those professors. You're going to encounter those people in life. We encounter those people in work. But the Lord reminds us to find courage in him, to find strength in him, to obey him in all things. And then he gives us this beautiful promise in verse 9. Look at verse 9. 
Verse 9 says to us as we think through the Lord's strength, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. He gives us kind of a summary here. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Now watch this. Here's the promise. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. See that promise? Here's the third truth. The Lord is with you wherever you go. The Lord says, find courage, find strength, obey me. If you'll do those things, you'll find strength and you'll find courage and I'll be with you wherever you go. Now, here's the truth of the teaching of the Word of God. When the Lord is with you, you will accomplish great things. Outside of the will of the Lord, you will fail. I'll never forget when I first graduated college, I moved to Albany, Georgia to teach school and I was a middle school social studies teacher. And I was always of the opinion that if you could show kids history and let them touch it and experience, they would understand it and learn it a lot better than just reading it in a book. And so we try to get outside the classroom as much as possible. We take field trips. And every year I take a group of 7th and 8th graders to Washington, D.C. Some of you guys have taken that trip or you've been to Washington. And we do experience Washington, D.C. And when you read the Constitution right there under the glass in the National Archives, it's a little bit different than reading it in your textbook under the fluorescent lights of the classroom, right? And so we travel to Washington and we go and experience these things. And, and I'll never forget, one of the years we went, I had a little girl in the eighth grade. Her name was Claire. And Claire was just a normal student, nothing fancy. But what I didn't know about Claire is that when Clarence Thomas, who was the Supreme Court Justice, I know you all knew that, right? You all knew that? Yeah. When Clarence Thomas, nobody's, you know, nobody's laughing at that. You're supposed to laugh because you really didn't know he was the Supreme Court. Maybe you knew. Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court Justice, when he went through his confirmation hearings, it was very difficult for him. You may remember that story. Well, little Claire at that time was just a a, a young elementary student, first or second grade. And she took it upon upon herself to write Clarence Thomas a a letter. And she said in the letter, listen, I'm praying for you. I know it's hard for you. I I hope the Lord blesses you. And, you know, just a letter the little kid would write and mailed it to him. And her parents never thought anything about it. What they didn't know is that Clarence Thomas got that letter. Of the thousands he got, for whatever the reason, the, the Lord led him to that letter. And he read it. And he was so moved by that letter that he wrote her back. And he said to her, listen, after he was confirmed to the, to the Supreme Court, he said, if you're ever in Washington, D.C., I'd love to meet you and your family. And so the next opportunity they got, Dad packed up the car and the family, and they drove to Washington, D.C., and they met Clarence Thomas, and they began a friendship that would last many years. Well, when we got ready to go to Washington, her dad called me and said, hey, when we're in Washington, would you like to meet Clarence Thomas? Yeah, Absolutely. I'd love to meet him. Now, here's the thing you need to understand about a Supreme Court justice. They're not elected officials. So they don't have to stand out there and shake hands and kiss babies and make you feel good about yourself, right? They, they seclude themselves literally in the basement of the Supreme Court building, and nobody sees them. So the opportunity to see a Supreme Court justice was pretty impressive. So we got ready on the morning we were going to go see him. We all put on our coats and ties. You know, we dressed up. We've been wearing shorts and jeans to walk around Washington. We get on our bus and we arrive at the front of the Supreme Court building and they let the bus off. And if you've ever been to the Supreme Court building, there are all the steps that lead up into the main gallery. But over to the side is the entrance, kind of into the bottom level. And you can kind of tour around and see. And there's a long line of people, several hundred people. So we get off the bus and I'm thinking, wow, we're, we're supposed to be in there in 15 minutes. There's no way. This line is too long and I'm panicking a little bit because I know he's going to be waiting on us. And about that time, these couple of big guards walk out the door. And they start looking around. They make their way back to the line. They get all the way back to me and they say, are you with Sherwood Christian Academy? Yes, sir. You need to come with us. And so we walk around. Only time law enforcement agents ever said that to me, by the way, just for the record, okay? <laughs> just to be clear. So we step outside of the line and we walk past all these people. We walk into the bottom of the Supreme Court building. It's cool because when you get in there, there are all these signs, do not enter, 
staff. Only we're just walking through all those doors. We're just busting up behind curtains and all. And it's like a maze down there. We end up in this huge room, paneled ornate. I mean, a beautiful room that very few people ever saw. He sits us down. About ten minutes later, Clarence Thomas comes in, and for two hours, this man t- speaks to us. And I'm gonna tell you, he's the real deal. He really is. He's a strong believer. He's a Christian man. I gained so much respect for him that day. Got our picture taken with him. But here's the interesting thing. We got to see Clarence Thomas not because we were smart or rich or powerful. We got to see Clarence Thomas because we were with Claire. That's it. It's the same thing with Christ. See, we don't experience the things of life and its riches because of our own ability or because of our own strength or because of all we've accomplished. We experience the incredible things of life because we're with Christ. And Christ will do things in our lives that we cannot even understand. Christ will do things in our lives that we cannot even believe and we don't even understand what he's accomplishing. But the Lord says, if you'll walk with me, if you'll find strength, if you'll find courage, if you'll obey me, then I will be with you. Students, I'm going to finish up. I know the time is late, but I want you to hear me when I say this to you. You may not understand this at this moment, but at some point in life, it'll make more sense to you than it does right now. There are people that literally spend their entire lives searching for happiness. And they search for joy, and they search for hope, and they search for peace, and they search in all the wrong places. And it's always amazing to me when one of those kind of people will sit in my office and say to me, I spent 50 years looking in all the wrong places and I finally found Christ. And for the first time in my life, I have hope. For the first time in my life, I have joy. Don't waste your life looking for that in the wrong places. Christ says, follow me. Follow me. And you will do incredible things. So you find courage in the Lord. You obey his teachings. You hold to the truth that he is with you always. And then you watch what God does in your life for his honor and for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning of study. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word, Lord. It is just compelling. It's clear. We pray again, Lord, for these students that they would see the truth and who you are. That they would not stray from your teachings. They would be courageous, Lord, in those times of weakness. I pray for them right now specifically, Lord, in those times of weakness, Lord, to be strong and courageous, to seek you, Father, to follow you and to hold on to that truth that even in the moments where they suffer, even in the moments where they feel alone, even the moments where they feel depressed and down, that you are with them. So you strengthen them, Father. You strengthen them to be the men and women of God you called them to be. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you the opportunity to come down and pray. And, and we're going to give, in just a minute, we're going to give a moment of invitation. But then in just a minute, I'll explain. We're going to have these graduates come forward. Not yet, but in a minute, we're going to let them come forward. And we're going to let you come and pray with them. But this is a time now, if you want to come and pray, if you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you want to join this church, it's your time as we sing together. Today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.